Hello guys and welcome, welcome to, to Happy, Happy Single, Single Mums. Are you really just going to copy everything I'm saying? Yes! <laughs> Hello guys and welcome to Happy Single Mums, a podcast surrounding real single mummy life. So, here's your host, me, Khalifa. and welcome to Happy Single Mums. I'm your host, Khalifa, and today we've got a magnificent guest. Her name's Karen Stanley. She's an author and she wrote a magnificent book, which is just the title is just eye-catching. So it's the Single Mums Guide to Attracting Mr. Right. Yes. <laughs> so um, Karen, please tell me about your story. Tell me about yeah, how your single mum story really. I'd love to. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I was divorced or separated in 07. And so that was also the same time as the massive recession here in the US. And I was in, I still am, I'm in marketing and was losing clients every day. And my income was going down every day. And so at the same time, I also went through my divorce. I went through bankruptcy. I lost my house. I lost my car. I lost everything all in one year. And looking back, it was such a blessing to just start all over. And I rented a house with shitty, disgusting carpets. And I talk about that in my book. And um, because um, now I was so upset that he didn't replace the carpeting when I was like 30 years old. Sounds stupid when you hear it for the first time, but it's like I, the family before with me, they just trashed the whole house. And so I thought that he would, you know, refresh it and, you know, do some, some minor you know, improvements. That's normal. And he didn't. And um, what was so cool about that is that because of that, I didn't have to worry about it. So my house was like a daycare center, you know, they were three and five and I wanted them to have a place to play. And I was running my, I, I left my company and I joined my a partner that I worked with for a long time and we were able to work from home. And it was such a blessing because I could be home for, from when they were, got home from school, get them to school, do everything that they needed to do and the appointments and everything, but still work obviously. And, but I was attracting all the wrong men. And I spent years and years attracting people that would not love me, did not want what I wanted. And I, even though I, I loved being just the three of us is the most cherished memories of my whole life and also the loneliest. And also many times where I wasn't sure if I was gonna be able to pay the rent. And it was so, very- So bad. how long was it from when you got your divorce to when you actually started dating again and you put yourself out there? Well, unfortunately, I put myself out there right away. And that was a big mistake because I was very angry and I was very upset. I was devastated. And I blamed everything on my ex-husband. I blamed it on him for not being different. <laughs> I blamed, uh, it, you know, everything was his fault. And I took no responsibility for my part in our mm -hmm. relationship collapsing. But when you feel that way and you're going out and I didn't date very much before I got married. I was very young when I met him, 22. And I just didn't date very much. I probably had just maybe a handful of dates before I got married. Yeah. And so when I got divorced, I felt like I was, I wanted to sow some wild seeds and I wanted to get my single, you know, 
move. I just wanted to go out and relieve the stress that I was feeling and the anxiety yeah. that I was feeling, the loneliness and the heartbreak. I thought the best way is to go out with the girls and, you know, start dating. And I wanted to, you know, attract somebody that was exact opposite of my husband mm. and boy, did I ever. Yeah. And so I wish, but, but over the years I didn't, I would take breaks, you know, I would spend, I would go out on a few dates and have not the experiences that I wanted to. And I would just say, okay, I'm just, going to just stay single. I'm just going to raise my kids. How do I even manage all this stuff? I'm trying to run a business and raise kids at the same time. And, and I had my kids almost all the time. Their father was always traveling for work. So yeah. we never knew when he was going to come home and he'd see him for a few days and then he'd be gone for a few months. And it was very hard on them. And um, so I would take years off. I, I mean, in the eight years I was single, probably probably only half of that. I was actually even dating anybody or, you know, going on dates or yeah. actively, I would just take breaks. I just thought, you know, I'm just going to be single forever or just wait till they go out. You know, they, they go to college or something when I'm, you know, yeah. when they, and I, I think that's what, a, that's what a lot from what from single moms that I, I hear. And even with myself, actually, I'm guilty of it. I always thought to myself, oh, do you know what, when my son gets a little bit older, then I'll start dating right now. I just want to focus on, on my child. And you kind of put yourself on a back burner when you do become a single mom. If you, do you feel like that? Or do you feel like when you were in that state that you just thought you were like in certain transitional periods, but I feel like we get like, um, a season of loneliness well I experience it at times whereby I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine and then all of a sudden I'm like oh my god I just miss having someone just to share how my day was with like and oftentimes we end up you know attracting that person that actually isn't meant to be for us because we're in that state of loneliness so I, I always tell my girlfriends that look when you're driving through the fog don't make a decision because you need to make sure you have some sort of clarity before you make a decision about who you're going to date, you know? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And that's why, you know, so what happened was I went to my best friend's wedding. She was my business partner and she was a single mom. And I realized that my, and she had two kids and she worked from home too. So my beliefs were, I'm just going to wait till they're 18. No one's going to want me with two kids. No one's going to, I'm not going to meet anybody because I work from home. And I had a lot of limiting beliefs about myself as well. I'm just not good enough. I have baggage from my childhood. I was sexually abused when I was a little girl. And so what I realized that you have, we all have limiting beliefs mm. about ourselves and about relationships based on the past. So you don't necessarily have anything to anchor it to. You don't have anything to show you that it, it is possible, even though all of your relationships in the past were a complete cluster that doesn't mean anything for your future, but we believe our beliefs are based, created from all of our own experiences, right? So I went to her wedding and I was thinking, well, she's a single mom, she has two kids, she worked from home. And if it's possible for one of us, it's possible for all of us. And what does she have that I don't? So was she in a relationship then? Yeah, she, I was at her, I mean, she was- Oh, her wed oh apologies. So you were at her wedding and uh -huh. yeah, she basically, she, she, she mirrored your life, but she had met someone. She met somebody. And what's funny is that people thought she was crazy because she would go to the a gym to work out every day that was 30 minutes from her house. 
when there was lots of other places to go work out closer to her house. But she just loved it. She knew people there and that was her daily thing. It was kind of her social life. And mm. guess what? That's where she met her husband. Oh Isn't that God. funny? That is but ironic. She, there was something about it. She just intrinsically knew. I just want to, I just like going here and I just, I don't care. I drive an hour a day and, and that's what I want to do. Yeah. And so I'm standing there looking at her and I'm thinking, what does she have that I don't have? Mm. And it just hit me that it was self-confidence. And it was the self, it was the belief that it was possible because she was certain she would meet her soulmate. She said it for every day for years. She was mm -hmm. certain. So she had certainty and she's had self-confidence that she knew that she was worthy of a great husband. And I didn't. I didn't oh have God. And I thought, well, why not? Why not me? Oh. What is it exactly? And I think that all of us, whether we admit it or not, we all have limiting beliefs that we think that it can't happen or it's not possible. And I had beliefs that men are just liars. They all lie to me to get me to do what they want. Yeah. And they don't want me long-term. They don't want to see me next week. And happened over and over and over again. And I thought, I'm going to get those things. I'm going to you know, make a list of things that I literally think, why don't I feel really confident about yeah. myself? And I'm going to tackle those things. So yeah. some of them were just small. Some of them were things that needed to be done around the house. I needed to fix some things. I needed to pay more close attention to my health. I, I haven't done my, my annual exams and I needed dental work and every single thing that I needed to feel good and to be healthy and to feel good about myself, I had put it on the back burner. And I know we all do that. How are we supposed to take care of ourselves? We're taking care of our kids and trying to work full time. Exactly. It's so exactly. difficult. And so I just decided that if we just carve out a, a some time every day to work on the things, and I just made a list of the things that were really important to me and in the categories that were really important to me, finances, I had IRS debt. I owed, ta I owed taxes from years of being a self-employed without putting the money away and paying them every corner like I'm supposed to. Yeah. I didn't do that. I was very irresponsible. Well, that, that, because of that, I felt less than worthy because I had, I owe the government $30,000. Yeah. It's so ironic you said that about in regards to debt because this month um, I actually sat down um, a couple of weeks ago and I actually went through my debt, all the debt I have and it just hit me like oh my god what am I doing with money like I, I've made a decision that by next year I completely want to clear up all my student loan debt and we just have you have to kind of you know like um, the red table talk you have to pull yourself to the red table and just sit yourself down and analyze every Every single thing that we're doing as mothers we're just on go 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 but we don't align ourselves because let's just say that you are a single mom and you do want to attract for example you the love of your life but you're still working on yourself you still don't have it figured out like you're not going to meet someone at that level if you're still if you haven't figured it out totally yourself so that's where i i want to be i want to be a whole woman that I don't lose myself when I meet someone. If you do, you, do you understand what I mean? Because oftentimes that's what happens with me. I often I, I would lose myself and I would just merge into that person. In actual fact, I need to be whole by a whole person before I can try and you know fit with someone else. Absolutely, yeah. and I think that I don't know if we're ever a whole person. Yeah. I would just want to add that. But what I found that as I was working toward the goal, 
So I was not focused on the $30,000. I was focused on the zero and I would focus on what I was going to do when it was zero, the vacation I was going to take with my kids. And I put an automatic payment plan in place and I never opened the statements. They were still mailing me statements every month showing me the new, the new, you know, the balances. And I said, nope, it's, it's zero. It's zero. I already knew I was paying toward it. That's as much as I could afford to pay toward it every month. And doing that helped me focus on what I wanted to create and help me feel better because I was making progress mm -hmm. and I hadn't accomplished all my goals. When I got together with John, I had just felt better and felt more worthy, felt whole. I am whole. You are whole and wonderful mm -hmm. and beautiful. If you have debt, I'm sorry, you are. And if you feel bad about having debt and you want to just feel better and feel worthy and attract somebody who also feels the same way about themselves, because if we yeah. feel less than our best, then we're going to attract the people that feel the same way about themselves. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. But the reason why I placed, I made that point is because I think oftentimes with some of the single mommy friends that I have, some of them actually stay in relationships because they're dependent on their spouses, you know, be it that they're in domestic, they're in um, emotional abusive relationships, financial abusive relationships. But I'm saying that up until the time that you can stand on your own two feet and I, I and you have to be you have to be accountable to yourself, your goals, your dreams, your aspirations in life. You can't rely on someone else. And oftentimes we as women, we do that. If a man's there and he's providing for us financially, we feel like, oh, do you know what? I, I, I can stay at home and not have to do anything. But if he decides to leave, what happens next? What's your plan B? You know, so I do feel like a lot of women need to just work on ourselves. And ultimately, if you do have someone that is magnificent, but that person can leave at any given time. So what happens then? What's the what's the plan B? You know, and even if you have someone or you don't have someone, you still have to have a plan for yourself. But I was going to ask you, how did you meet um, John? What happened on November the 16th? <laughs> Well, before November the 16th, um, I had known John, actually. He was in front of me the entire time. I was single, almost the entire time. So he was my client. And as my client, he was in a group of dealerships that are in the same area. So I do marketing. I have my specialty is in automotive. So one of my clients was this group. And so every month, all of them would come. He was always first. And we'd chit chat a little bit, but do our business and then leave. And I'd see him the next month, every month for years. And one time he comes to the meeting and he said, gosh, it's so weird being, you know, dating again after all these times, this whole time he's married dating again. I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Cause he had been married for 25 years. And he was like, yeah, I, I just, you know, I haven't been, you know, women are crazy and I've been on a few dates. And I was like, oh, I was just shocked to hear that he was even single. But that, you know, didn't think anything of it. Went to lunch with my coworkers and they're like, you should date John Stanley. I said, oh, pff, no way. I said, I'm not his type. I, I don't, I just, he's not my type either. My type, be careful ladies about your type, by the way. And my type was big, huge football players. My ex-husband's 6'1", 270. My son is now 6'1", 270. Um, and why? Because that's an insecurity in myself because I'm 5'10", 170. I'm a big girl and I am tall and I'm big boned. I'm strong. And 
I always felt insecure about that my whole life. Mm. And, you know, my grandpa told me one time when I was a teenager, he said, you're so big, you should be a boy. Oh, like, my oh. Lord. Well, thank you. It's a family joke now, but when you're 15, yeah. that's not funny. And, and I feel, I felt shamed for being tall and big mm. and, um, and I had to work through those beliefs. And I realized that that type is not necessarily what's best for you. Yeah. yeah. What you need is not necessarily, it's not necessarily what you want or what you want. It's not what you need, should I say? And that's what, that's what a lot of women need to work out. Just, yeah. A hundred percent. Throw away your stereotypes and throw away that your types, all of them. And so, but also be clear about what you want, because I had been working on my soulmate list for, you know, 16, 15 months, a year and a half ish. And I decided that I was going to, the way I was going to stay focused on what I wanted in a relationship and what I wanted in a, uh, a husband, I was going to write it all out in the notes of my phone so I could read it and edit it. And the reason why I did that is because I had a list on my, on my, on a piece of paper. So, so it, what is a soulmate list? I literally wrote every single thing I could think of that I wanted in a man. Wow. Think about it. I think a goal, a relationship goal is just like every other goal. When you have a goal, what do you do? You know what it is. You write it down so you can focus on it. And I said, okay, well, all of his characteristics, I want him to be kind. I want him to be generous. I want him to play with my kids. I want him to be a good example. I want him to be um, all of it. I, I wrote everything down, what our life would look like, what our weekends would be, what our day was, would be like, our vacations, the things that we would do together. I wanted somebody who would you know, put on country boots, cowboy boots and go country dancing with me. And PS, that's exactly what my reality is now. And I wanted someone who would hike with me and then, then I would use that list to do those things and become those things. So when I got lost, what do I do? I want someone who hikes with me, so I'm gonna go hike. I want someone who reads with me and reads books and wants to always improve, so I'm gonna read. And you, I want someone who's generous, so how can I be more generous to somebody in my life right now? Because doing those things attracts those people to you. And so I, we go to Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving of 2014. And the last thing I wrote on my soulmate list is that my soulmate lives 20 minutes from me because the last person I dated, I call them teachers now, because every guy who's we've ever dated is teaching us something. He's in our life for a reason. I truly believe that to teach us what we want and what we don't want. And he was far away. He lived in a different town. So now I wanted someone who was in our town. I could go visit us. So it was easy for us to spend time together, 20 minutes. So two weeks later is Thanksgiving. I go to my um, Thanksgiving with my friend who had just recently been married. And I went around the table and we say, what's great? What are you grateful for? And I said, you know, her husband's name is Bill. I said, Bill, I'm grateful for you. I said, you showed me that it is possible for an adult man to love and cherish and adore his wife and his and her children. And you want long-term marriage. You want to be in a committed relationship and you're, you've shown me that it does, men do exist that put their wife as their number one priority. And, you know, he blew it off. He's really humble. I'm just, no, I'm just a normal guy. And, and, but that was true because seeing them, seeing them, I was surrounded by all of these wonderful couples who have been married for a long time. And at their wedding, his dad, who did the toast said, you think you love her now, just wait 47 years and you will love her more than you can ever imagine. That's beautiful. 
oh my gosh, that's a, it's possible. I need to work on myself. Yeah. And so, I so can I ask a question? Do you know in regards to your, your checklist, prior to you actually meeting John, did you actually like, if you'd go out on a date, would you like say, okay, he has this, but he hasn't got that. He has this, but he hasn't got that. Or you wouldn't do it at all? Oh, 100%. I wouldn't say I have a checklist about the teacher. I would have, I would update my soulmate list. So oh. I put all the focus on what I wanted to create and what I wanted. And so when I would experience something, like I'll give you an example. My last teacher loved to come to my concerts. I'm a classical singer. Classical music is not everybody's bag. Not I love classical don't... music. Oh, I know, but most people don't. I get it. I understand. It's, it's If you don't love it, you don't want to sit there for two hours listening to Bach. I get that. So, but I wanted someone who loved that. I really, it's important to me. And I just, I didn't want to some, have someone that just would endure it, like my first husband. And after my concert, he would say, those seats are really hard. <laughs> Thanks, honey. So, but I wanted someone who loved it. And so I never had that before. I had a vision of what I wanted to create in my life. And then I attracted a teacher who came, brought me flowers, sat in the front row and loved it. And he also didn't tell the truth. He pretended to be someone who he, who he did, who he was. That was the last person I dated. And he was not, he was not truthful and he was not the one. However, he gave me experiences that taught me to add things to my list. And so I, I knew that I didn't, I wanted someone to tell me the truth. So whatever you experience that you don't want, you Focus on the opposite. I want somebody who's honest. I want someone to tell me the truth. And that means I need to be honest. I need to tell the truth. I need to say what I, how I'm really feeling without holding it back. And I would love someone to come to my concerts and, and love them. And I would love someone who lives close so we can spend time together. Months go by. Two days after Thanksgiving, I walk in to see John because he's my client. We had a big, you know, sale Black Friday and in America, we have Black Friday after yeah, Black Friday. everybody goes shopping. Yeah. <laughs> everybody goes shopping the day after Thanksgiving. And, um, so I go by on Saturday and, and he sees me and I saw, he's like, Oh, Hey, 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 just sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. Let's chat. And we chatted for an hour. We had never done that before about everything. And, um, like water and diet. And we finally get to Thanksgiving. And he says, you know, I was with uh, several families that I've known forever, and there's literally three generations of wonderful, you know, husbands and wives and kids and grandkids. And, you know, up to this point, I'm dated a little bit and it hasn't been a good experience. And I just thought, originally, I just wanted someone to just do things with. I just wanted to, you know, someone to hang out with. I don't really like hanging out with guys so much, and I work so much. It just, but after Thanksgiving, I got into my car and I, to drive home, and I said, God, I'm ready to fall in love. And he, this is my client telling me this and I'm freaking out. I'm like, John, you should, you're amazing. You're a, such a great guy. You should, everybody should have love. Someone who really loves them. And he said, well, you did. I said, no, I didn't. He thought I had a boyfriend. I said, no, I broke up with him. He was much too young. Oh, well, how old was he? And I was like, I'm embarrassed. He's 32. <laughs> I was almost 40. And I was like, oh, well, what is your age range? And I said, well, yours. I always liked older guys. I w didn't mean him. I just always liked older guys. I felt I had this belief that if you have more age, you have more wisdom, yeah. which is not necessarily true. <laughs> but I had spent a long time dating people my age. And 
you yeah, know I don't like, date anyone my age I find them I'm 33 and I just I, I just I think women are five years ahead mentally and some men are just five years behind I just can't deal with 30 I have to date someone older 40 or above like I can't yeah I'm, I'm with you I'm with you I um I have known many young people who are very wise um that haven't happened to have dated any of them <laughs> so he was like oh okay he walked me to my car which he always did he did that for everybody he's just a gentleman and um the next day he said he texted me something i can't remember what it was and i was like oh do you have a hot date tonight and he said um no everybody thinks my life is so great and i'm out you know partying and painting the town all the time and i I'm dating all the time he's like that's totally opposite i work every day and I pick up dinner on my way home and I eat my dinner and I watch Netflix and I go to bed. I'm like, well, that sounds terrible. <laughs> you need to get a life and you need to go do something and have fun. And today's Sunday, you don't have to work seven days a week. There's no law that you says you have to be there on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was where he was successful. That's where his friends were. And he didn't have anything else going on. And so two days later, he said, he gave me, like a million excuses to see the text. It's like this long, a million ways to say no. And he said, I don't know if you can get a babysitter or if you like football or if you need to take a bath or you know, you don't want to go all these ways to say no, but I have two tickets to the Cardinals game, the football team here. And would you like to go with me? And I said, I immediately texted my business partner because I said, ah, John Stanley's asking me out. What do I do? That's usually a disaster. That's not a good idea. What do I do? And she gave me her blessing. She said, John's a great guy. If it doesn't work out, he would never do anything to compromise or or hurt us. You know, he would never do anything to hurt us. I was like, you're right. Okay, yes, I do want to go. So um, I already knew I wanted to go, but I was afraid to date a client. And then what if we don't like each other? Then it's going to be awkward. We have meetings later. Ah, like the whole thing is a disaster waiting to happen, right? And so I said, yes. And he goes, so five seconds later, he goes, well, um, yeah, I don't know if you like Fleetwood Mac or, you know, but, or if you have any plans or if you can do anything later, but two days after the football game, but I have two tickets to Fleetwood Mac concert. And would you, and even if we had decided to be friends, I'd like you to go with me. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. That is awesome. So this is where you go, you say that if a man um, isn't booking up your schedule, he's not the one. Not the one. Real men do not want to share you. They want to spend all your time with you. And that's how you know. You don't have to ask any questions about pros and cons. You don't have to make any lists about the guy. You know, because he's filling up your schedule and you want to do it and you want to be with him. Because if they don't fill up your schedule, they're not a priority and they don't really want to spend time with you. Yeah. Period. End of story. And that, that's a very hard lesson for me to learn. It t- took me my entire life to learn that. Yeah. Because I always gave everybody the benefit of the doubt or like the three day rule and, you know, oh, you have all these dating rules and, and in reality, when it was the right one, all, there were no rules. I knew I wanted to spend time with him. I wanted to be with him. It wasn't about sex. It was about the, per- I wanted to be in his company. I wanted to talk to him and be with him. And when somebody doesn't want that, they will, they will play the games and they won't ask you out and they won't fill up your schedule. And so yeah. if they're not doing that, just say goodbye now. Save yourself yeah. the heart. Definitely. You know, just save yourself the heartache. I love that. And it's, it's a harsh reality that if he's not trying to book you, book you your schedule, then like, just let it go, let it go. And I think oftentimes women get 
we get caught up in the honeymoon period in the relationships and we have nostalgia about the honeymoon period but yeah but he used to text me in the morning but after he's probably had sexual intercourse or it's fizzled out he's met someone else but the women are still pursuing like no take me out and I have a lot of friends that plan their own dates and I'm like why are you planning your own date if a man asks me out and he says to me, where do you want to go? And I'm like, well, I'm not going out with you. Why, why won't you go out? Because I'm like, you haven't taken the time out to even plan where I'm going to go. So that means you clearly don't care. So why am I planning my own? I can take myself out. Absolutely. I'm glad you said that because um, when you first meet somebody and you have all the hormones going and you have all the attraction going and all that, the honeymoon period that you talk about, that's also their very best effort. That's the most amount of effort that they're ever going to make it. They don't make more. They're trying to impress you. They want you to like them. And if their very best effort is hardly any, they just believe them. They're showing you who they are. Just believe them. But some women just have this rosy colored spectacles. And I'm even sometimes when I see my friends, I'm like, he, he doesn't care, but yet they're still, still there, still believing, still hoping. And I oftentimes tell people that people don't change. It's only like God that can personally change someone. If they make a decision, like, like I'm going to change. But if someone is showing you, like you all just said, if someone shows you who they are, you kind of have to believe them, you know? Believe and we're stuck in our ways as human beings. If he doesn't buy you flowers and you love flowers, that was one argument I had with the chap I was seeing before. But I absolutely love flowers. And he said, I don't, I don't believe in flowers. And that was like, you know, if you can't buy me flowers and I, it's something that I like and, you know, it will make me happy, you clearly don't care. Clearly doesn't care. Because the right one will notice, will figure it out, will ask you, will do what makes you happy because that is, that is part of real love. A real lasting relationship is serving and loving and doing the things and to take things off your plate and to buy, I mean, flowers is big. I didn't didn't have to tell him that. He just brought me flowers on the first date and every day, every day he brought flowers. And at Christmas time, he brought flowers to my mom, my daughter, and my sister and me. Yeah. Has he got a brother? No, he's an adopted only child. Sorry. I know. Yeah, I think I saw a post today that you put up that you met his sisters. Yeah. It's a fabulous story. We actually did the DNA thing on Ancestry.com and then they offer genealogy services. They will literally track down your genealogy through this and find your living relatives. And they did. It took them about six, seven, eight months. It was a while. I didn't hear from them for months. And they're just back there doing their thing on their computer. And then they found her. And, um, that's an amazing story. It's, it, it's such a, it's such a miracle. Cause he was, um, he had such a rough childhood, really rough childhood. Yeah. Wow. So, so how did you get to the transition of him taking you out on the dates for him to actually then say, do you know what, Karen, I'm, I'm falling in love with you. I want to make you Mrs. Stanley. <laughs> oh man. I don't know. It's just, as soon as we started texting, then we were talking, we, there, he was, in, he, he was, we were just thinking about each other. We talked every night and this is really only a week before our first date from our first, like from when we sat down and talked and then our first date finally came a week later. And I just, I just was already in love with him. 
I had known him for a long time in business and we had talked and we were friends and we, you know, I, I knew about his family. He would always tell me stories and about his kids. And um, because we knew each other, I knew his character and I knew a lot of things about him. And then as we, as we decided, oh, wow, I might want to spend time with her. And he asked me out on, on a proper date. Then we talked to each other all the time. Then we talked to each other all night, every night falling asleep, you know, drool on my, on my phone, wake up in the middle of the night. I totally fell asleep on it. You, you did the classic, no, you dropped the phone. No, you dropped the phone. I, think I just fell asleep and started snoring actually. <laughs> when did he actually meet your, the kids? Oh, um, well it was in December. So the last thing I wrote in my soulmate list is, which is he lives 20 minutes from me. And on December 7th, three weeks later, um, he gave me his address. So I was going to drive to his house and then he was going to drive to the game and lunch and everything. And I put in his address and Google Maps said exactly 20 minutes to zero, not 19, it's not so 21. creepy. I'll show it to you when we meet in person. It's still in my phone. And you can see when I last updated it, that date at the top, you know, if you have an iPhone, that's yeah. when you last updated it. That's November 16th. December 7th was our first date and Fleetwood Mac was two days later. And our first kiss was at the game and we just couldn't wait any longer. And we just were so excited to be together. And he kissed me and then kissed me again and kissed me again. And the people behind us were like, can you just wait until they actually score? And we're like, oh, no, sorry. <laughs> we're like one of those couples. And, but we're so excited and we hadn't had our first kiss before. And it was so magical. And um, we left the game early and we went to dinner and just, I couldn't pull myself away from him. We just, because of talking, it had nothing to do with sex. And it's so refreshing, you know, it was just, I just wanted to talk to him. We talked about everything in our past and our history and um, just sharing. I just wanted to be with him. And I finally, you know, dragged myself home and, and the concert was two days later and we get in the Uber car and he literally said to the Uber driver, I'm going to marry her in Maui. And I said, well, you need to get a divorce first because he had lived, he hadn't lived with his, his ex-wife or his soon to be ex-wife. He hadn't lived there in a year and a half or two years, but he never filed the papers. So okay. he was still legally married. And yeah, but separated. Yeah. yeah. He was just separated. I mean, you got to get this done. And he's like, yeah. So he knew it would be a nightmare and it was, and it took an entire year of all of the lawyers and the courts and the paper. It was just a disaster. It was a nightmare. And that's why he avoided it because he knew it was going to be horrible. Um, but we finally got that done. So because it was so co close to Christmas, I think that kind of sped up the dating and meeting process. He didn't have anywhere to go. I'm like, wait, but I love you. I already know I love you. I already know I want to be with you for the rest of my life. So you can't just, I can't just have Christmas with my children and then not see you and you have, you're alone in your house. I can't have that. I was I like, can. so do you want to just meet the kids now? I mean, it's like, let's just do this. I mean, I guess you know, part of it was, it sounds crazy, I think, to some people, but I'd also known him for six years, but also I just felt like sometimes we wait too long to really show every aspect of our lives. And so you're too into just the two of you relationship without then, involving 
the, the children. children and then the children feel out like outside like you you haven't involved us and it's, it's a bit difficult yeah. yeah and everybody's gonna have to just make up your own mind about the timing and and all of that and but i had never introduced no i had introduced one one guy i was dating to the kids after a couple months um and then right after that we broke up so it wasn't really like it was foreign for me but also it didn't feel weird i think you just have to go with your intuition and your own gut so how, old were the, how old were the kids when you introduced john to them nine and eleven Okay. And his kids are already grown. So his daughter was 17 and a senior in high school, almost 18. Okay. And his son was already in con uh, was already in college. Oh, that's so, awesome. I know he was already done raising kids and he still signed up for my crazy circus. <laughs> and so I just, we, it was 23rd of December. We went to dinner and they were all excited and they're asking him all these questions. What's your favorite color? What's your favorite car? What's your favorite this? What's your favorite bike? What's your favorite? It was so cute because they were asking him what all his favorites were. <laughs> yeah. And they grilled him all night, but they were happy. They can feel, you know, kids are very intuitive and they can feel the energy when it's good and when it's bad. And mom's excited, mom's happy, and yeah. we're just having dinner. Yeah, I think, yeah, kids, kids always yeah. know when, when you're happy and when you're sad. I Sometimes when I'm, I'm feeling a bit low, my son will come and he'll just start tapping me and he'll start, you know, rubbing on me. And I just think, oh my God, kids can really sense so much. They can sense so much. So they, yeah. so they liked him instantly. Yes. They loved him and we had so much fun and he's fun and he's, he's just cute and clever and he just, he just, we just melded right together. Our lives melded together so fast and so easily when it's the right one. It's so easy. There's no questions. Yeah. You don't call up your girlfriends and go, oh, I really like this about him. And I really like this about him and start making the list of all the things that you like about him. And then what I would do, if I, if there were things that I didn't like, I would leave it off. I wouldn't tell my girlfriends about the things that I didn't like. Because I was trying to justify, no, he's great. He's good because of this, right? He's good because of this, right? Yeah. This whole process I used to take for years, trying to figure all this out. And um, I feel now that I've experienced what it's like when it's someone I think that is, is your soul mate and loves your soul and was meant to be with you, that there aren't any questions. There's just ease. That's the only thing I can, I can call it. Like peace. Just peace. Yeah. So what, like, what, um, what advice can you give to single moms that are looking for love then? I would say don't look for it. I would oh. say, I believe that when we focus on what we really want to create and we believe that there are amazing men out there and who are maybe just in toxic relationships right now and they're about to break up and they're about to move to your town or they're about to start a job at your work. You know, when we're, when we change our beliefs to um, the positive beliefs, not positive mentality or positive mumbo jumbo, but when we, when we identify, okay, what I have been saying, and sometimes we don't really realize what our beliefs are, but just think about the things that you say to your girlfriends when you're sitting at happy hour. What do you say? I used to say, uh, I used to talk ad nauseum about my ex-husband and he did this and he did that and he did that and he did that. Well, that doesn't help us move forward. That doesn't help us be in the present and it doesn't help us you know, see the things that are in our life that maybe if we just work to improve a little bit, then we would just feel like a rock star. 
Yeah. You know, I just hit me on that wedding to a year and a half before then that I was not going to attract a badass husband unless I felt like a badass when I walked out the door. Yes. So I made a list of the things that I wanted to improve in my own life in every area. And when I made small improvements, I felt, I realized that I had more happiness for no reason. I felt a little more pep in my step. Yeah. I wasn't focused on men. I was focused on me. How could I improve my relationships? How could I improve my relationships with my kids? How could I be more kind? How could I find some more um, compassion? And I made quantifiable goals because everybody always says that you, how do you, how do you know if you've achieved a goal if it's not quantifiable? So instead of saying, okay, I really want to strengthen my relationships. I want to be in a good mom. Well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. It means different thing to everyone, every one of us. Well, what does it mean to me? Instead of putting so much pressure on ourselves with society thinks that we should do what we should and shouldn't be doing every day. And, you know, having matching perfectly matched outfits and attending PTA meetings and making cookies from scratch. I mean, if you want to do those things, that's great. If that brings you joy, but sometimes we do things because we feel pressure to do them. Yeah. I'm part of the PTA. (laughs) Good for you. And we need people on the PTA, but that's not my bag. That's not, it's not something that, you know, I, 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 I volunteered at my kid's school every single week because I wanted to be there and and be needed. If something was needed, then I'm there. I'm your I'm your yeah. woman. I'm there yeah, every day. No, but I, the thing is, I had to change my my misconception about being a mom. Like I was part of the PTA. Then my son did boxing. Then he did um, swimming. Then he did karate. So I was just. After work, I'd be driving here, driving there, driving there. And I just had burnout. I was like, you need to pick one club because I can't kill myself. And because I felt a bit in like, because I'm a single mom, so I felt like I had to do everything. And it took me a very, very long time to realize that I'm doing the best I can. I'm only one person and I can, I I can be super mom and I have to parent within my (laughs) parent within my personality you know and that's what I've had to learn and I just I just had to stop because I had burnout I had super burnout because I had this idea of what a mother should be I can't bake so even when I was part of the PTA I would be trying to trying to be that baking mom I cannot do it I've tried over and over again I followed all the YouTube stuff and it just comes up burnt, you know? So I'm not that mum. Yeah, we'll go to Costco and we'll buy a massive cake and I'll pretend like I made it. Yeah, <laughs> let's do I am that mum. I am going to pretend <laughs> I made it. It's so true. But we all put so much pressure on ourselves. We gotta be the mom and the dad and the breadwinner. It's, it's, we have the hardest job in the whole world and every parent has a hard job. Every parent is, is doing the best they can. But as soon as we, I'm glad you had burnout because sometimes we have to have a burnout to just say, this is enough. I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm going to decide what's important to me. And uh, like you said, choose one club, you know, for each of them. And um, I also, one of the quantifiable goals was to make sure I read to them every night. There's nothing more special when I, I was giving them all my attention. I didn't have my phone. I didn't have work. I didn't have any other distractions. And reading books is the most important thing to me. And so, but what was happening is that I'd get to nine o'clock, I'd look, I'm late, I'm running late. We, we haven't even brushed teeth yet. I'm so tired. We have to wake up at six. It's like, I would, I would read one page and fall asleep, you know, and I would deny all of us of the most precious time of the day. 
And so instead of beating myself up, I just decided I would just move up bedtime. So we did teeth brushing and, and whatever, blah, 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 jammas and baths. Then we could start reading early enough so we could actually get significant amount. You know, mm -hmm. we could read an hour a day. So even if everything goes wrong and you're late for everything and you forget everything and it's a total cluster of a day and you're eating Cheerios for dinner, if I got my reading in, I still had that time carved out for them. Then I felt I was, I was doing okay. That's so I just think that it's important for every one of us to identify just a couple different things. Like my sister said, after she read that in my book, she said that I just want to have my kitchen table cleaned up. She's got four kids under six. And she just said this little teeny quantifiable goal really helps her because she feels more organized if it doesn't have stuff all over it and everything's putting, everybody's piling their stuff and get leftover dinner from last night. We all know we've all had a table like that, please. And most of their childhood, my table was like that. And, um, but she decided that was just going to be her one little thing. So I keep that part organized. It helps me keep the rest of the house organized. You just put it away when it, and she feels more peace and she feels more joy yeah. and, you know, creating that harmony in your home. There's a whole chapter in my book about how my home being, it was fun. It had all the Nerf guns and the forts. And we had, my kids used to put blankets, tie blankets to the banister of the stairs with duct tape so tight that they could sit in them. So there are canopies all the way up the stairs. So you kind of crawl up, you need to go up the stairs. You got to crawl underneath them. Mm -hmm. And they would put mattresses. Yeah, we put all their mattresses on the stairs and, and they'd slide down. Yeah. yeah. And we'd have Nerf Wars and build ports with the couch cushions. And, and I wanted that. I wanted them to have a place to play most importantly. And that's not such a peaceful situation for mom. And when we put a little bit more emphasis on creating peace and harmony in our home, then we feel more at peace because I really believe that mess attracts stress. Yeah. So whatever you want to attract into your life, you have to be created right now as you're single, as you're alone. I, I made a sanctuary in my bedroom so that it, that was just for mom because for years, the kids would sleep in my room with me. And mine's them in mine. Yeah, and but I, I decorated his. I decorated his room. I said to him, "Would you how how do you want your bedroom decorated it nicely? Did everything he wanted, and yet he's still in my bed. He's nine, but I just I don't know what else to do. I, I might have to start bribing him. I don't know what else. I've tried everything. Well, I just I know it's hard because I love that. We they would switch off, so one of them would be in the mattress at the foot of my bed, and then the other one would sleep in my bed with me. And then every other night they would switch, and it's so precious. I mean, when I think about that time, I so cherish it. It's just I can just like me in my bed, one kid on either side. I've got my book open, and then we would read. And it was time for bed, and one of them would snuggle up with me, and one of them's right there at my feet. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, they loved it. It was just it's just that there's no room in your physical space for your husband. And I had read a couple of feng shui books and a feng shui articles and something else had read, talked about preparing your physical space mm -hmm. in real life now. And so I started to think about it. I said, well, where, where is my husband going to be? Where is he going to sleep? He's going to sleep in the bottom right-hand corner of my bed. That doesn't work. If your life is your bed and your room there's no actual room, then you're putting it out to the universe that there's no room in the end wow. for a relationship. So did you, you took the, so the kids stayed in their own room after you met John then? Oh no, I had to prepare for that, honey. 
You have to prepare in advance. So yeah, I had read it. I can't remember where I read it, but I was reading uh, several different things said over the years where you prepare your physical space. So lit in literal sense. So if you have a bedroom, hopefully everybody has a bedroom, you need to have two nightstands because you're demonstrating to the universe that your husband's on his way. And then he needs a place for his stuff, his phone, his keys. They're going to be there. You're preparing for it mentally and physically. And then if you have two sinks, clean it out. Only use one. You need to have physical space for your husband. He needs things. He needs his things under this sink. And so then have when did you do this before you met John then? How long, how long ago did you actually start putting this in practice till you met the, the Mr. Right? There was 17 months from my, my best friend's wedding to my first date, my last first date. And so this is a process that I went through gradually creating more harmony in my home. Gradually, you know, I, I bought the kids new bedspreads and new decorations and, you know, made a big deal about your new bed. We're going to go back to your rooms and um, just made, I just picked a day and I did it. And then, um, then I started preparing my physical space so that I had a place to go to. I call it my sanctuary, but moms need to rejuvenate. We need to give that ourselves the gift of self-care and self-love so that we develop those beliefs that we are worthy of it. We are worthy of love, somebody who cares for us. We don't have to be a solo warrior for the rest of our lives. We have to believe that it's true that there's somebody out there that's amazing, is gonna care for you and make your tea and make your coffee in the morning and, and run the bath for you. And because there's so many men like that exist and they're just sitting around waiting for us to believe that they exist and we deserve it. <laughs> and so, I physically went through my closet. I got rid of every single thing that I hadn't worn in the last you know, six months or a year. If you haven't worn it in a year, you're not going to. Just get rid of it and make somebody's day at Goodwill. Um, and I just started to physically, you know, and then, and then I just thought, okay, so if the love of my life knocked on my door right now, would I make him wait on the front porch? And if so, what would I be doing? Would I be scrambling around picking up Legos and, you know, going, getting rid of the laundry? I used to have my laundry on the couch at all times because the, the washer and dryer were downstairs while all the bedrooms are upstairs. And so I would take it all out, put it on the, you know, this big chase lounge care. My friend called it the cheetah laundry care, cheetah laundry couch because it was had a cheetah print and it was this huge couch. And it's just like, what, what I would die if somebody came over and it looked like that, right? And so if you would make the love of your life wait outside while you tidied up, I said, well, why don't I just do all that now? So then I'm not ready. And I'm, and, and I'm literally, I think that's part of, you know, attracting the one and calling in the one into your life is to believe that he's on his way and prepare your physical space and your heart and your mind by just nourishing it and taking care of yourself and preparing, you know, mentally, and you got to buy yourself flyer flowers. You know, if you love flowers and then that shows that I deserve flowers. I love flowers. My man buys me flowers. My soulmate buys me flowers. And that list that I still have, um, four months in to dating John, I told him about the list. He didn't even know I had it. And he was like, well, read it to me. So I did, we went to breakfast one Sunday and I sat there and I 
read the entire thing and every sentence started with my soulmate is because in the present sense he already exists for each mm. of us he already is out there he might be going through some things he might be going through a divorce maybe he hasn't moved there yet there could be a thousand possibilities because you just don't know what you don't know so you gotta get let go of the timing because god's timing is always right and perfect and just do the work inward yeah. so i read every single thing and we were both in tears and mm -hmm. i knew i was literally physically describing this man sitting across from me that i knew so I you was spoke gonna... him into existence and we get really frustrated i know what it's like to go on a date and you think he's great and he's not or you go on a several dates and you think that maybe you have a future or there's a possibility of you know it lasting and uh, it turns out you know it's you have disappointments and um it's so hard. I would get so frustrated. And then I would, I would use my soulmate list. And that's why I wrote the book in the first place, because I, years later, I thought, you know, I think these are strategies. I really do believe because I, I changed myself so much and I changed my beliefs and I used the soulmate list to focus on, on not disappointments, but okay, well, he showed me that he, I really want somebody who wants to, um, you know who wants to be with me like that, do you know what what you've said is just like it's opened my eyes honestly so because every relationship i've been in because i'm currently single i've been single for like two years now and i refuse to date um because i just i just i'm just so drained and maybe i'm attracting people that are just yeah so up until the time that i sort me out that's when i feel like i'm responsible enough to date but i've always looked at my relationships as there's something wrong with me hence why i picked that person not the way you have said it like every relationship you've been in good and bad is a lesson like they're your teachers you know i have never ever thought of it like that and it's yeah i feel like oh wow this person taught me this this person taught me that this but like this is amazing well i'm so glad to hear that because once i made that shift to what did i learn from this my whole world changed. I was yeah. no longer a victim of all these scumbags. I was taking responsibility for how I wanted to be. And then once I was shown something or it was, it was, it's actually a blessing when you think about it, because of that experience, that's the only way I would have learned how I want to be treated in this way. I never realized that I really wanted somebody to, you know, come to my concerts. Um, I never knew that I wanted somebody to buy me flowers because I never had anybody buy me flowers. So how did I even know what that's like? Mm -hmm. I never had that experience before. Something as silly as that. Um, I'd never had anybody whose first, I was their first priority and, and who would drop everything because I needed something, but I had a, the opposite. Um, when I was dating that last teacher, I got really sick and he was like, oh, sorry. He didn't offer to come over. He didn't offer to help. He didn't offer to, you know, just bring some soup. Well, I don't know, like normal people. Like if, yeah. if someone loves you, they want you to, so, they want to serve you and they definitely. want to help you get better and do anything. And he yeah. wouldn't do anything. And that was it. I fired him immediately. And I was grateful for the lesson. I was devastated that he was not the person I thought he was. However, he taught me so many things I hadn't experienced before so that I knew that that's what I wanted to create and that I wasn't going to settle. And sometimes we think, oh, I really want this. I really want this. Oh, but he's so cute. Oh, but he's so clever. He makes me laugh. Oh, he's hot. Uh, okay. Well, he doesn't have these things, but that's that, okay. That's actually the one of the questions I really wanted to ask you as to 
why do you think a lot of single mums do settle and why do they remain in toxic relationships for so long why do you think that is because it's like I'm happy to be alone right now even though some of my friends are married and some of my friends are in toxic relationships with but I know ultimately with everything you've said that I want to I want to have that Mr. Right so I'm willing to to wait and work on me till I actually get that person but some people aren't because some people are so afraid of being alone why do you think that we as women especially single moms who might be vulnerable and might have that season of loneliness and they just want that person yeah I think a intrinsically we are not solitary creatures and we are meant to be together and have a partner and it is scary as shit to be alone and I get that and it is and I that's the probably the number one reason but I think the biggest reason is um well that I just contradicted myself <laughs> the number one reason and then the biggest reason is uh our internal beliefs are based on our past. And so when I was a young girl, I, I mentioned this before, I was, you know, my parents were trying to help some degenerate teenager that got kicked out of his own, of his own house. And they were trying to be nice. My parents are very, very kind and um, selfless people. And um, they, he just got me alone with him in the, in the, in the basement one couple, a couple of times. I remember it happening a couple of times. And I was only four. So oh. what I, yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's horrifying. But when you, that happens when you are young, you don't understand that it's horrifying. You don't really understand what happened. You don't really think anything of it because he said, yeah. me and my mom, me and my mom do this all the time. That's what he told me. What do I know? I don't know anything. You're a baby. And so years and years and years later, it then I go through a divorce. I marry the first person that pays attention to me at all. My first real boyfriend, I marry him and we have two amazing kids and I'm going through so much, you know, so much, I'm going through so many hard things. I, I get the most amazing therapist. Thank God. I was so blessed to get an amazing therapist. And um, when I told her that a couple of years in, she's like, whoa, 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 what, what, what? you said you got molested when you were a kid? And I was like, yeah, I thought I mentioned it before. She's like, no, you didn't. Okay. Stop everything. Let me tell you what that means. That, that develops your personal beliefs, your internal beliefs and your core. Those are developed when we are children from the ages of, you know, two to seven is when you develop most of your core beliefs. So no matter what, anything that happened to you, and then the story you take away from that, those are what you believe in your heart forever, unless you identify them and try to transform them. Well, I believe that women, men only wanted me for sex. That was the only thing that they wanted from me. Only reason why they would want to spend time with me. And I didn't realize that though. And so I thought that I was broken. I was damaged goods and I wasn't good enough. I was never going to be good enough. I, I tried to do my, I worked really hard and I, I, I tried to be a good wife and pretend everything was going okay. And, and, and it wasn't. And, um, it's because I, I didn't believe that I deserved more. Yes. And the biggest gift that we can give ourselves is to work on transforming the limiting beliefs. Yes. And it's a process and it takes a long, it took, well, it took 40 years but the first 38, I didn't really, I didn't really know how to, I knew I was attracting all the wrong men. I knew I, 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 I needed to, I knew I needed to believe that I deserved more, 
but I didn't know how. And so I, I, when I went on a mission saying, it is possible for me to find an amazing man. What do I need to do? And I'm just going to work on myself exactly like you're doing right now, which I'm so happy to hear that. Um, and you can work on yourself in any relationship. We still work on ourselves. I still am reading books. I'm still trying to improve. And now I just have a partner who has my back and will do anything for me. And we read the same books together. And then we have to talk about it and we make changes. And we're, it's, like, it's, it's like we're each other's coach because he has major trauma from his life too. So one of the most incredible gifts of finding the right one and doing the internal work so you believe that you deserve someone amazing is that amazing is attracted to you and he will take care of you and he will love you and cherish you and adore you forever. And then you get to actually help him. We actually get to, you get to help each other heal. And I used my, not only just my soulmate list and I would read it and edit it every single day. I just, it helped me believe that it was, he was real. And I also used, you know, other things that helped me dissolve the current limiting beliefs. And that's the longest chapter in my book because that's the one that takes the most amount of work and time and journaling and redirecting your focus on what happened. That's what happened. So my meaning around it was that I was worthless and not good enough. I was never going to be, no one's gonna want me really because of my baggage, who wants someone who has been abused before. And how do I, how do I um, dissolve those things? And I just systematically worked toward disproving those beliefs Definitely. and creating new ones yeah. over and over and over. And if we can work towards believing that we are beautiful and amazing and worthy of being cherished and adored, then we attract all the great relationships into our life. And one of them might be the one. And I believe it's possible because it, that's what happened to me. Yeah, honestly, your story, like you need to have your own movie because from where you've come from with the, the trauma you had in your childhood, even John as well, with everything that he's been through, like you are, do you know when people say that, oh, I've got a testimony, like your life is actually a testimony. Like it's amazing. I And the book as well. I want to actually use it as a giveaway on my platform. So I'm, go, I'm ordering it. I, I think I'm gonna bless bless a lucky lady on, on on my platform with it because yeah it, it's amazing on your website you talk about um many people like oblivious to their love language like the five love languages receiving gifts words of affirmation the physical touch quality time acts of service like I personally am still learning my love language and I think sometimes when we're in relationships we expect another person to enter our brains to know what we want when in actual fact we're still learning what we want but we don't you know what I mean a lot of people don't know their love language how as a as a woman as a mother do you figure out what your love language is well in the book there's a test and so you take the test I think you can do it online too I don't even think you have to buy the book but I the book is is wonderful and everybody should read it there's a couple of them. Um, and one of them's for, I think one of them's for, you know, raising kids, you know, sort of find out the love languages of our, of our children. And so that we can give them it in the language that they need. And he said that a lot of couples fall apart because we're giving love in the way that we need, but we're not the same. So you take these tests, what, you know, in what situation, what would you rather have in this situation? What is more meaningful for you? And, um, you know, John, 
all day long tells me I'm beautiful and I love you and beautiful and you, I love you so wonderful and you're so talented, you're so sexy. That's because that's his love language. Yeah. His love language is words of affirmation. He needs to be told that he's doing a great job and he's handsome and I love him and he needs that. And I know that that's not my love language. And I think that the reason why is because I've just been lied to so many times. I really don't want anybody to tell me I, I love you and then sit up their ass on the couch when I'm sick. Yeah. I'm done with that. And it's, that's all based on my own, you know, DNA. I don't know, half, half DNA, half past relationships. Um, and sure, I love, I love hearing that I'm beautiful. I just wanted to work so hard on myself that I didn't need an affirmation from somebody else. Always, always reaching outside myself for somebody to make me feel good because I didn't feel good about myself. I wanted to learn how to not do that anymore. And, but my love language is gifts. And because I believe that it's just like, it's not about the gift or a Gucci or a Louis Vuitton. It's not about that. It's about finding the things that they mention, you know, that somebody mentions because, oh, you know, like, like last anniversary, he, I, I we were talking about a couple weeks before that we were talking, we were hiking and he looked at the bottom of my, my hiking shoes and he saw that the tread was running low. I didn't, we didn't even talk about it. I didn't even see it. I didn't even notice it. I, I was fine with my shoes. They're fine. But he bought me new hiking shoes because he saw, he noticed, he said, this is what you need. And he got it for me, went out and got it for me. It's, it's, the, it's the noticing and the care of something that I would need or something that I would want. And then taking the, the, you know, the time and the effort to do something. That to me, that makes me feel loved. Yeah. So I know that my love language is gifts. Well, you know, so I buy, I, I'm going out there and I'm getting them all these gifts and I'm always going to buy them little things. Oh, I thought you liked this. I thought you liked this. And he's appreciative, but that's not the number one thing for him. The number one way he feels loved and comforted is physical touch. You know, he really loves to be touched and hold. And that doesn't mean that's not talking about sex. Sex obviously is super important, but that's not what physical touch is. It's yeah. he, you need the touch of another human. And he needs that because I don't think any literally can't remember anybody giving him a hug his whole life oh and his whole childhood because they were horrible. And he need, they also never said, I love you. And so of course those are going to be his two top love languages. He needs that to, he feels loved. He feels safe. He feels secure when I touch him and I give him hugs and I put my leg on his when we watch TV and we, you know, he, he needs to be wrapped in my arms and my hands. And you know what? Everybody needs that. That is yeah. a physical need. That is a human need, yeah. but I just more, I just pay more attention to it because I kind of get busy and I forget and I give him a kiss, you know, I got to go and we're going here, go, 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 go. And I'm like, Oh, whoops. Nope. I got to pat him on the butt and I got to sit next to him and hold his hand because it's really important to him. And so that's the importance of the languages is so you're learning by yourself and while you're single, then you need to give that love to yourself and realize the love languages of everybody around you. So if you know that your child is a gifts and a quality time, then those are the things you need to carve out the most. And if your child is a, a words of encouragement, words of affirmation and a service, take things off my plate, then um, obviously you can't take all their things off their plate, but you know what I mean? Learning yeah. the love language of yourself so you can give yourself love. No one's going to do it for you right now. And that's okay. We will. But how can you how can you show yourself that I deserve this? I love this. And if it's gifts, 
go buy yourself a little gift, get a little thing at the, at the store and, and send yourself flowers. And um, if it's quality time, we'll spend, be okay being a, a, alone by yourself mm-hmm. and not needing to have to have somebody else to validate you or, you know, make you feel better. I think that's really the, that's the most important thing is to feel good about yourself, find ways to build that self-confidence and transform those limiting beliefs. So, so what, um, what to the single mothers that have daughters, for example, what lessons do you think they can actually teach their daughters about love without having to bring up all men, are, all men are dogs, all men are, you know, like what lessons would, cause I've got a son, but what, what lessons should women teach their daughters about love? I think that they're more watching us than anything else, mm. you know? We, show, we teach by our behavior and we teach by our intentions. And then our, our, our words, I, I always say, you know, we, we're gonna just have a create a great life right now. And there's amazing, wonderful people all over the world. And um, the right one's gonna come at the right time. And um, then your, your focus is on, I think it's very important for kids to show, see that mom has mom time. Because then what is she going to do? If, she, if we don't show our daughters that mom has mom time and you're, it's okay to have self-care and it's okay to um, go you know, have lunch with your girlfriends or schedule a yoga class and not be available for that hour because they're learning from what you're doing. They're learning and they're seeing you that you value yourself and yourself should be valued. And what you need, if mom needs yoga and mom gives herself yoga, well, then that's what she's going to do when she gets older. If mom needs a break and needs a nap and she keeps going and she's going crazy and she's, you know, worried and worrying herself sick and burning a candle at both ends, she's just going to watch that over and over and over and over and think that that's what you do when you're a mom. That's what moms do. Mm. So that's why self-care is so important. And that's why changing your beliefs is so important because your daughter, our daughters can create whatever they want, anything they want. And how are we going to show them to them? We're going to keep complaining about a bad date or are we going to, I mean, I never talked about my dates at all. I'm not any expert. I'm just saying, I just know that once, once the right one comes and once we get to the place where we believe it and we deserve it and self-care is important, then our also we give the gift of showing our kids what real love looks like. And that now she knows that mom's happy, mom prepared, mom did self-care. She needs time for herself. She takes care of herself. And obviously I've done everything for them too. <laughs> That's not, yeah. we do, we already do everything for our kids. We all want everything for our kids and we exactly. want them to We do. And well, couldn't we serve a little bit better if we just had, you know, an hour for ourselves or 15 yeah. minutes, if we did that we really needed. And, I, and I, oftentimes I think a lot of moms do, do overcompensate because I know that when my son was much younger, I would, for Christmas, I would, you know, spend so much money buying him this, buying him that. And when it came to Christmas day, he would open up the toys, be surprised and then play with the boxes. You know, we have to just, you know, just go back to basics and, you know, love ourselves, teach our kids that, you know what, mom's going out for a walk, you know, for, for half an hour, go to grandma's house. Like we need to, like you said, we need to just teach our, teach our children. We are, we are important. We are a priority as well. Yeah. Um, yeah of course. So that your wives are important too. So whatever they need is, is important. Oh, well, they're going to, they see, they're learning from the number one most important person in their life. 
and they don't say anything. They're not going to say, you know what, today I learned mom that self-care is really important. My 17 year old's not going to say that, but he knows that, um, I, I go and get facials. You know, if I want to get a massage, if I've got, if I need to take care of my body and I need a break, I go schedule a massage. Um, he already knows that. And he, he's, that's normal to him to take care of them, to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs to know that. Yeah. What, um, what are, what are your plans for the rest of the year? I've got to be on a lot of different podcasts. Um, I'm doing a lot of interviews and I'm helping as many people as I can believe that it's possible for everybody, no matter what you've been through um, and start turning inward to how we can change our beliefs and how we can improve, make little improvements so that we feel better. Mm -hmm. And once we feel good and we feel worthy of love, then boom, he'll find you. And where can people find you on social media? Well, my website is mrskarenstanley.com. And I have so many resources on that. I have loaded my website up with not only articles that I write, but also resources like the best books that I read that helped me the most. Um, The other podcasts, I'll put this recording of this podcast, a link to it on my website. Um, You know, my, uh, what else? I have free PDF downloads of worksheets. So if you're kind of intrigued about some of the things that I kind of worked on, I actually, there, I did a lot of writing. So the strategies are writing that helps you develop your, you know, new beliefs and, and transform your old ones. There's several of them that are free. I just created them so that you could do the worksheets, you know, on your own time. And um, I also have a journal that is um, a daily planner with all the worksheets in it so that you can carve out what you really want to create and work towards those goals and, you know, uh, just reinforce the new beliefs that love is on his way and it's possible and I'm just gonna become the best version of myself so I believe that is awesome Karen I cannot thank you enough for coming on happy single moms like you embody everything that I feel like a single mother should be you have worked on yourself to actually ultimately just attract the person that you know you wanted and ultimately that person was right in front of you you know, and that oftentimes that's what you know that's what people say that the person that you want is right in front of you you just can't see so yeah I'm so happy and the book as well the um, single mom's guide to attract a mister right like I'm gonna make sure I use that as a giveaway to one of the lucky ladies on my platform yeah Thank and I know so. there's so many exciting things that are gonna happen this year for you but you have been so gracious and so magnificent and your story I kid you not you should actually make it into a movie because it's just like the, the from 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 the beginning to the end. Like you know, when it's just been beautified. I don't even know whether that's a word, but it's just like a seed that, and it's just become something so beautiful. It just it's amazing. And maybe you because you, you've lived you've lived it. You might not see it, but me hearing it, and it just sounds it sounds amazing. Aw, thank you. I think that's that's why God really kind of. I feel like the, all the experience that culminated up against, you know, the first 40, 40 years, four decades of my life, I really believe it's starting to make sense. And I, I never in imagine a million years would have ever thought that I would write a book until a couple of years ago. And I thought, you know, I just, I feel like not only is a strategy, but I feel like when you start sharing things that have, have happened to, that happened to so many people, I know we all are carrying around trauma, but I don't think that we always talk about it. 
I don't think that we always know exactly what trauma somebody else has had. And so when they're, you know, feeling down and they're in a toxic relationship and they just can't leave, it's probably something that's, you know, traumatic. And if we start sharing our own trauma, then we can start healing ourselves, but we can also help somebody else. So yeah. I really feel like that's one of the reasons why I was guided to this, put this all on, you know, on, in a book. Yeah. And you have, you have helped me with like the little nuggets you've given me have just been so amazing in regards to, I told you I'm taking away that teacher that has just been mind blowing. I'm like, damn, all my exes are actually teachers, you know, but yeah, it's been so wonderful having you on Happy Single Moms. Thank you so much. But yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Okay. Bye.